Thank you, and uh, thank you everyone who is joining today. Um, as Victor mentioned, uh, we are going to discuss today how future thinking and more particularly strategic foresight is applied in government and how that can help democracy advance. And to start with, this is exactly one of the spaces where uh, fortunately we have the opportunity to have conversations and have engaging conversations which is the, one of the starting points in a democracy. And well, I am a force practitioner in government uh, for a couple of, uh, some years by now. I work in the Mexican government um, and nowadays I'm working for international organizations on developing policies on security and defense with gender lenses on, on foresight uh, to provide better futures as the OECD slogan says, better futures for all, uh, or, or better lives for, for all. And for with that reason, that's why I became also a champion on strategic foresight and futures literacy, because it's one of the elements that will allow, engage and enlarge how we are within the public sphere, uh, allowing better policies for well-being of the population. This strategic foresight and opportunities to think about the future is not new in government. It has been developed um, for quite a long, more particularly in the defense area, uh, whenever, uh, more especially within the power, uh, the, the countries with more power, they are planning within their defense several years ahead. And that's where many of the applications and methodologies have been developed, but it has been an evolution as well that um, you can found also being in other elements of the government. And that evolution that has been happening along at least the last 30 years, nowadays we can see that there is a very much um, strength of effort within the development and the peace and security agenda in general, and uh, also with that, including all the topics related to climate change, for example, but very much as well in the overall uh, elements of the agenda. And I don't know how many of you are aware, and maybe if you want to, if you are not uh, able to, um, to speak or to come on stage, it would be very helpful if you uh, can comment with emoticons or or all the emojis uh, for us to understand. And I don't know if there is, uh, Victor, if there is um, a feature like a raise hand or something, only to understand to to know how many people in the audience is aware, for example, of the UN Sustainable Development Goals. Because in terms of those development goals, which are in several topics, as gender, as water, as food, as security, as climate change. That's another example of how within an international government as the United Nations, futures thinking is also um, developed. Um, because um, having uh, said that, when we're thinking about futures in government, we can find it in international level as the UN, 
in regional organizations, for example, the Organization for Cooperation and Economic Development, but also we can find it in national governments. And within national governments, we can find it in several of the areas, as I mentioned, in defense, we can find it in education, we can find it in technology, and so on. And I don't know, Victor, if you uh, have an, as well a question about uh, where uh, would be the topic or the um, path where we would like to take on, on, the, on this conversation. Wow, that's a, that's a lot, Monica. That's so rich in information that I am just here, just blown away about the whole thing about futures thinking in government and democracy and the kind of steps that you particular have been working on or have introduced it in a different way. You, you mentioned futures thinking, strategic foresight, and then strategic planning. I didn't know there was um, a unique difference in all those three, but uh, just listening the process of how one goes from one uh, step to another step, I think that's really interesting. And, and I see a racing hand. So you are able to speak now. Go right ahead. You want to, well, before that, uh, can you introduce yourself? I think this is the first time that I'm meeting you. So it will be really awesome to meet you and see who you are and your background. Hello, everybody. Uh, I'm Marimer. Well, I'm actually Mercedes from Mexico also. Uh, I've been working uh, in crisis management for a long time. And since the last couple of years, I got into futures thinking and into uh, especially foresight. I'm doing some research in two topics, mainly the future of hard news journalism in Mexico and Latin America and how uh, the profession and the information is going to be changing in the next 20 years. And also a project on futures literacy for uh, regular people. Um, I, I, uh, that's why I'm thrilled to, to listen to Monica, because I do believe that in, in Mexico and in a lot a lot of other countries in Latin America, we have uh, a lot of barriers of thinking about future uh, when we're talking about um, society in general. And here's my question for her in her experience. What what challenges have you been facing um, when trying to do a strategic foresight for governments? Uh, I'm thinking, for example, in Mexico, when we have like this... Um, uh, I don't know, like six years uh, mindset uh, for, for what I've seen uh, in, in public policies. And I don't know, like it, it's uh, I think it's very challenging to be uh, thinking about the future when you're thinking in small, small periods of times. And I would like to, to know if you agree with my concern and the challenges that you have been facing. Thank you, Mercedes. It's a great question. And I'm so thrilled that you are joining us as well from Mexico because this is exactly one of the uh, reasons why um, I am enjoying so much these projects as Victor's initiative on developing these kind of conversations where we all can reach out uh, out there. So um, let me put a, uh, start with a framework for your question. And in general, it's a uh, futures literacy is a process that is need, needs to be evolving and needs to be also championed within any country or any organization even. And in that regard, the evolution in particularly in Latin America, it has been quite on balance in terms that it has been a lot of work in the academic field, 
but not as much applications within governments along the, our region. And in that, Mexico is completely part of the um, of this evolution or this circumstance, because as you mentioned, we have a very um, short sight in terms of future, and that it sometimes it does not go even up to the six years that you're mentioning, and for all the uh, our audience in other countries, the reason why we are thinking within six years is because that's the terms or presidential terms, and that's why the administration for public administration does not do is not um, regular to go beyond those six years. But that is only for presidential and for national uh, for sorry for state governments because we also had for municipal governments uh, only a three-year frame um, timeline, which is even shorter. And that is true, Marimar, there, that is some challenge and a barrier, a mental barrier that we have. And that's when future literacy comes out, comes out complete, very handy, because then we're th thinking here about is about in terms of generations, not in terms of administrations, which for each country can be completely different. Some countries, like for example, the United States, they have four years terms for administration with the possibility to have one re-election, so one president uh, in, in the maximum period of their, their administration can have up to 80 years. However, most of the strategies that are developed, for example, within the U.S. defense system are never uh, attached to a particular administration and they used to think more about in terms of 10, 15, 20 years. And this is something that we in Latin America region in particular and especially in Mexico is something very important that we need to keep on promoting to start with raising awareness of why thinking our own generation's term is more important, which in, from the point of view of well-being of our citizens, that is what really matters. And that's when and that's why I am um, linking foresight and future thinking in government with democracy, because it is only when the awareness of the citizens of what or, or what are the best strategies to reach their well-being, that's how they can model and request and demand from their governments to change. So if the citizens within, the, for example, the Latin American region start to become more aware that the well-being for them would be better um, developed if we think about generations, instead of thinking about the terms of the government, then we can start having a real a big change there. And why is this transformation of mindset important? It's because in a democracy particularly, we need to remember constantly that governments are tools for develop well-being of the uh, population. It's not the other way around that in Latin America we have been much used to it as government being the center and the rest of the country going around the government when the, it's completely the opposite part. Is the government a tool that will enable citizens to reach their well-being? And that is a um, particular challenge within the Latin American region, which is very different from what is happening in other countries, for example, Canada and the United States, or also in the European Union, when the governments are much more uh, being seen as part of a, this tool in order to reach well-being. 
I hope that this uh, is part of what you were asking, Marimar, and please uh, comment if you have a further question or something else that you would like to add. I, uh, I totally agree with you. And um, like continuing the conversation, do you think that the work uh, should be from, I don't know, down to up? I mean, uh, working with the society uh, in order to start changing that mindset uh, so we can um, push and, and, you know, introduce this foresight thinking into the government or the other way around. Like we need to start working and finding these key actors in the government or in the long, long-term long institutions in order to start uh, like giving this idea more traction. Uh, that's a great comment and question. And here the answer is both. I mean, and that's exactly why this is linking government and democracy. And that's why it is important, this term of democracy in, term, in, in the sense of what democracy means. And it, um, here I am taking the definition from David Benham on how democracies are uh, comprised and one important element is civil uh, participation. And the reason why is that we need to understand better the relationship among all the stakeholders within a democracy, which is the population, the civil society, the civil society organized as well, and the different kinds of governments that we have, and also the administration. Because one thing is the government and the terms, and for all of those of you who are not familiarized and in that sense, um, let me uh, just uh, mention that I am a political scientist as profession, and that's why I am uh, aware of, of these distinctions between government, which is, which is a particular administration, and then the, um, the which is connected to a, in, sometimes a presidential in presidential systems or a prime minister in, in, in parliamentary regimes, uh, that is like government. But then there is the other element of what the public administration in all is, which is a huge institution, which in stronger democracies, is stable and is not changing. And only what it changes is the particular elements or um, strategies that the governments are bringing to the table. But within a, a stronger network of institutions which are working longer term, and that's why a professionalized public service is key. And that is something that in Mexico it has been developed uh, is particularly from 2000 to 2012, but afterwards it has been in a decay. And so uh, that is for all of us in the audience to understand why uh, the role of the government and public administration as stakeholders is key, but they are not the only stakeholder in, in importance. There is also the civil society. And that's why it's needed to be whenever we are um, championing the future literacy in our societies. We need to bring comprehensive strategies, bringing all the stakeholders together. And sometimes that work means to be doing it from top to bottom within an organization, within an institution, within an agency or within a government. But also it means to do it from the grassroots level engaging citizens and that I would very much like to maybe if not in this space but uh, afterwards getting connected with you Marimar to understand better and to learn what is the 
initiative that we are taking with uh, providing future literacy for, for citizens, because I think that that is something that is also key. And it's only from all these spheres and from all these levels that we as society can increase our uh, strength, both in democracy, both in um, also in the future's literacy and being able to together not only ambition, but also create better futures for all. And here, the key element from my perspective is inclusiveness. We need to bring as much voices as possible, if not all of them, to understand how to better construct these futures that are going to be useful for everyone. We cannot uh, anymore um, be got in our silos. And, and for example, in one element that I had been um, researching on later on is, for example, in terms of gender, which is not the only element of diversity that we have, because we can also have diversity by age or diversity by by race, but gender is one imp super important in terms that we are 50% of women in the world and sometimes futures are not considering the female perspective. Yeah, that's really a really positive um, comment there at the end, Monica. You know, thinking about inclusiveness as something that should be implemented more in government and democracy relating to futures and futures making and creating and creating a better future for everyone because the future is basically for everyone, right? But yeah, going back to futures thinking in the government and democracy, um, a question that I have, how does one present an idea, you know, about the future from the beginning, very beginning, how does one pitch an idea? That's an amazing question, Victor. And here I only want to understand if you, what do you mean is how one pitches the idea of future thinking? Uh, and I would like to know better to whom? <laughs> I have no idea. You can, you can um, go into each category if there's more than one person. Great. Um, good. Uh, thanks for the clarification. So um, what I think is that in overall terms, um, the most important thing to pitch the, the, the idea or, or to explain why this is relevant and I think that for that you have been doing an amazing work in terms, I, I remember very well the first uh, tourist space that you opened, and, uh, which was kind of the, this question, uh, why, why the future is relevant for us? So um, here the most uh, uh, important thing one is to consider in very general terms is what I mentioned about generations, because whatever we are doing today is impacting whatever is going on within, not only in our lifetime, but also in the, next, in the lifetime of next generations. And one element that I am very much keen, uh, and, and whenever I have the opportunity to, to present this idea, is that it's regarding of what future, what those future means for me. And to me, the future is about potential. It is about infinite possibilities, which we make it real through decisions, actions, and also with our, um, um, when we are not doing anything, that is also an action. And whenever we are either deciding and doing or 
uh, not doing something, both in the past and in the present, with those actions and decisions and ideas, we are shaping and we are creating particular futures. And that's why I, I think that this is the key idea for everyone presenting the importance for future is because whatever we are doing or we are not doing at this present moment is shaping and is creating whatever we are going to experience in the future. And that is why it is so important. And also, like I, I'm uh, re, uh, taking again this, this idea of Marimar, how do we make people to think beyond particular uh, terms like six, ten, or whichever number of years. Because what we are thinking is that whatever we are doing is somehow uh, impacting, influencing, and shaping what we are going to experience in the future. And one, uh, the best example about it is climate change. No, whatever we are experiencing today isn't something that we created yesterday, but it has been developing along almost a century or even more. And it's because of one idea that we have of infinite growth and also ideas of how we are, um, how the production systems should be and how we are, uh, how we are relating to all the profit ideas of how we create profit and how profit should be as well uh, displayed among the producers. And that's why it's so important Then the first thing is to consider that future is a potential then that we, because it is a potential and it has an impact along uh, longer periods of time, then it's important to think about generations. And then the third uh, aspect that we also need to consider whenever pitching is awareness. And to become aware of how the way we act physically, verbally, and mentally are impacting whatever we're doing. And of course, all those impacts start and have a power from one individual, but if we are doing as a community, and a community can be a neighborhood, can be a government, can be a country, or even can be globally, whatever we are doing, and as the most people is engaging in the same kind of actions, and I will mention again, physical, mental, and verbally, the strongest the impact of those actions or inactions are. And that's why that is the third element that we need to bring to whatever pitch we are conducting, which is awareness. Those are the broad terms. And from that, then we need to deliver particular strategies depending on which is the audience. And that's why I, I raised the question uh, to you, Victor, to whom? Because whenever you are pitching, the first thing that you really need to think is to whom I am talking. And not only to whom I'm talking to, but also which is her or his circumstance. What are they interested about and what are they working on in order for you to shape the, your strategy the best way in order to reach whatever um, they are doing and to make it relevant. But then in, in this super broad term, I will say that whichever strategy you're going to use, depending on your audience, the, these three elements of potential generations and awareness are uh, of most relevance in order to be able to really explain why future thinking is important. And back to you, Victor. That is awesome. And thank you for clarifying that. So you're saying that being aware of the generation and being aware of other kind of thoughts and ideas how do the government 
grab as many. I guess what I'm trying to say is um, comments about a certain strategy. So, how do they anticipate or bring the awareness from different ideas and thoughts or suggestions from the public about a certain strategy or a future? Regularly, uh, and I want to start answering your question in this sense, that um, when producing a strategic foresight within governments, there are very particular and specific mechanisms, methods, uh, tools. But what, one of the elements that I keep on always saying in all my practice uh, is regarding of, there are three elements of that, that comprises strategic foresight. One thing are those methods exactly. And other elements are um, the, um, I will call it, uh, the methods are like, like, you know, like the methodologies, but then there is another element which is more about how we practice, how do we do it, how, how we engage with people. And the third one is mindset. And for me, mindset is the most important because depending of how you are imagining the future and how you imagine that the relations are going to be, that will shape how you are going to use the tools. And here is exactly when it comes to your question, because we have tools and we, we have a lot of methodologies and some are more sophisticated than the others. And nowadays with more technology, we can even use uh, big data in order to add to our uh, technologies in order to try to understand better how the evolution of any um, circumstance or topic is going to evolve. But the first question here is, which is our mindset? Whose voices are we listening to? Which idea of future are we thinking about? And that is going is what actually is going to shape whatever we are going to deliver as a foresight product. And this is when in being the most inclusive is key. And this is when bringing up the uh, perspective of more people within society is so important. And that's why this kind of democratization of futures literacy is even more important because then it would be, it, it creates a better way to have these conversations with the public and better ways for the government to understand how to create the mechanisms to really have these conversations going on and to really make them a dialogue. Not only the government asking what the citizen says and then going back and work and but never going back to ask for feedback, which is happens that they do a lot of consultations, public consultations whenever they are starting a national strategy. And they produce these consultations and then they come back and they pretend to legitimize whatever work they are doing because they say, oh, look, here, I consult this amount of people and they say that and because of what they say then I produce this policy and this policy is going to be in motion during the next five, six, whatever number of years but then there is never feedback of how that particular policy impact or affected the life of the public or the people or the particular population where that policy was set in motion and that is something that it has to be um, understood and developed by both sides. 
both the public to say like, okay, you asked me, but then how are you going to ask for feedback later on? And for the government to say, okay, I asked first, but then I need to ask back. And there is a full trend about it, which is called um, monitoring and evaluation, when this kind of um, new ways to go back and ask and is in population to be able to evaluate a particular element which is impact because whenever in public service uh, one of the biggest elements that we have in order to understand better how our actions in policy are working out is about monitoring and evaluating but evaluation per se has had a particular evolution in terms that in the beginning it started evaluating only performance and then it is starting to evaluate uh, as well results. And nowadays there is this big trend moving up to evaluate impact, which is completely different. One thing is performance, and I will place this example. Uh, for example, uh, very simple, you say, I want to measure future literacy, let's say. And in order to bring future literacy, and I will use uh, the, the example of, what, of your initiative, Victor, which I always say that it, uh, it, it's amazing of engaging people. And you will say, like, I, will, I want to measure how much I am uh, doing with future thinking. So what I'm going to measure first is how many um, Twitter spaces I did. And this will be a measure of performance, how you are performing with whatever you are doing. But then would be also very interesting is to measure your results. For example, um, because of this given number of feature of Twitter spaces that you are hosting, one result could be, for example, how many people um, is engaging in your conversations or how many uh, mentions in, in Twitter later on they came out. That would be measuring your results. But then the important thing would be uh, to measure the impact. And here, where, um, every evaluator faces big challenges because how are you going first to define impact? Impact will it be the number of people rich? Impact will be the number of people that change their mind? What would be impact? And here we always start getting into uh, a lot of conceptualizations that are very important. But what I'm telling, even though this is a big challenge of doing so, this is how we really in the society need to start thinking about for uh, not only for the government aid, uh, personnel, but also for citizens. Whenever there is a policy take, that is taking place from the government, the persons really, we need to ask ourselves, how is this impacting my life and how or where can I have mechanisms to be able to go back to the government and say, oh, hey, this, this policy that you're placing that could be um, to in, enlarge my education, actually, yes, it is enlarging my education, but it's also damaging, I don't know, for example, my communication skills or my, um, I know more things now, but I am not becoming more employable. And those are kind of elements that we need from the citizens point of view also to understand that we uh, need to have places and mechanisms to speak out uh, and to speak out loud from what we are ha uh, having. I hope that this is answering your question, Victor. It does, it does. Um, I was just asking because um, during this whole tragedy of Afghanistan, there's different comments on how this would have turned out. 
Like I'm, I'm meaning, meaning that there's this strategy division that was presenting, you know, the outcomes of what would have happened if, you know, the troops were pulled out earlier or much later. They were just under, trying to understand how much um, of a chance will the Taliban, you know, take over or how soon or how it would occur. And some say that they had the idea, but they didn't present it to the president or they did present the um, the scenario to the president. So this whole conversation was really thoughtful about how these kind of scenarios or these kind of strategy ideas, you know, comes around, plays around in government democracy. But in the end, it's just, I guess a question from this is how do how does the government I guess accept the outcome you know on a set strategy that did or didn't work out Victor I think that you are placing a most relevant uh, situation and that also brings us a great example of inclusivity because what we really need to think about here is what people in Afghanistan is thinking. And this is a, one an example of something that is global and we all know at this moment, and it's also memes about it, not that we all passed from being experts, you know, like the normal, the regular citizen will pass from being experts on how to handle COVID, then we pass to become experts on the Olympics. And now we are all are uh, knowledgeable about what is going on in Afghanistan, right? And here, this is very, very um, interesting example because what we can see is that globally, we all have opinions and we all have um, awareness of what is going on. But here, when we are speaking about inclusivity, is it is important to have diversity of voices, but most important is that people who is being affected um, directly do have their voices raised. And I wonder how many of us are aware of what women in Afghanistan is thinking about this. And I think that this is one of the examples where inclusivity and inclusive mechanisms and democracy are important because now we all uh, can have in, in our democracies in, in Mexico, in the United States, and I wonder if in any other countries that our audience is listening at, we can have a lot of things to say because somehow whatever is happening in Afghanistan is impacting. And for example, in the United States, one direct impact is that how many uh, personnel from the U.S. government has been along the last 20 years being deployed in Afghanistan. And of course, that made a huge impact in the society. But also, we really need to consider how is the Afghan society being impacted and where are the places where we were either people from Afghanistan is able to raise their voices and where are we able to listen to those concerns as well. And this is, I, as I mentioned, that's why I think it's a perfect example of how inclusive, inclusive, inclusiveness mechanisms are so important and that only when we are able to understand better the impact at so many dimensions and so many levels, that's when we really can start to produce futures that are better for everyone. Thank you for that, Monica. Yes, it's, it's, it's really one thought that I had was 
about the women and the children over there, you know, how many of their futures are, you know, crushed just for this one um, action, course of action that just happened. And, you know, it's one of those sad things to to witness, you know, firsthand uh, because I wasn't, um, I wasn't alive. Well, I was alive, but I didn't see the kind of panic that 9-11 brought to the United States or the aftermath after that. But this is a different kind of feeling just to experience firsthand. But yeah, uh, thank you, Monica. This has been a really great time just listening to a lot of the ideas and thoughts. And I think we didn't even get to everything. And I am sure there'll be plenty of time for you to speak more about the tools and methods. But yeah, with that, thank you for joining us, listening. Thank you, Monica, for a very pleasant time listening to your ideas and thoughts and wisdom. A lot more than me. <laughs> thank you. You are the perfect uh, networker, Victor, and I am always so grateful and looking forward to keep on uh, uh, following all your initiatives. All right. Thank you. Thank you. See you guys at the next one. Yes, Bye. See you. Bye.